Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for that round of applause. That was nice. So as India said, uh, I'm Nikki Arsenault, and my husband and I, we are the children's pastors here at the Vineyard. And it is just such an honor to be speaking to you today on this lovely Sunday. Um, Also, it's great to see new faces, first-time visitors. We're so excited that even in the summer months that we're welcoming new people all the time. And if you're listening to us via podcast, hello, uh, come join us in Flossmoor, Illinois, if you're around. Well, did you know that on average, a person speaks about 16,000 words in one day? And that doesn't account for anything that's typed or texted or tweeted or posted. That's just the spoken word. Back in the mid-2000s, there were researchers at the University of Arizona, and they set out to answer the question, who speaks more, ladies or gentlemen? Because the stereotype is that we women are the talkers. And so the head of the psychology department, he created this electronic device that records sound every 12 and a half minutes, and then they tallied up you know, how many conversations they heard and any ambient noise, and come to find out, It was not the women. It was actually, it was a tie. Um, In fact, the biggest talker was a guy. Um, He spoke 47,000 words, 47,000 words in one day. And the quietest person was also a guy. And he spoke about 500 words a day. So on average, uh, men and women spoke about the same. And when I think about the hundreds or thousands of words that we speak in one day, I think about all of the chances that we get to get it seriously right or seriously wrong with the words that we speak. Because words matter. Words hold weight. They have power and they have influence. In fact, God demonstrated the power of words when he spoke creation into existence. One of my friends, Dominique, mentioned that and I was like, yes, I was reminded. The very first words in the Bible in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, right? He spoke it. He didn't necessarily think it and it happened. He didn't wish it. He used the power of his voice. In fact, in Hebrews, it says the worlds were framed by the word of God. And then there's Jesus, right? The gospels are filled of uh, stories where Jesus is using his voice and he's speaking truth. He's speaking healing. He's speaking encouragement and also correction when it's needed. Because words are important, the words you and I say are important, they can speak truth, they can also deceive, they can bring people up, and they can also tear people down. Well, some of you know that we are in the middle of a sermon series called Can't We All Just Get Along? And we've covered really all kinds of topics. Gino started us out with um, that we need to honor each other. Let's start there in our relationships. We've also talked about forgiveness, how to navigate through loneliness. And just last week, we heard Gino speak on how to apologize. We usually pause each summer to talk about relationships because two of our main purposes on this earth are to love God and to love people. It's not just a catchy slogan that we wear on the back of our t-shirts. We actually want to strive and do this here. So the goal of this particular series um, is to help us become more relationally wise with people, to have relational wisdom, that love others part of the commandment. 
And we define wisdom as simply being skilled at living. Skilled at living. And today we're going to talk about how relationships are impacted by the words that come out of our mouths or perhaps off our fingertips as we're typing something. How what is said or how what is not said in a face-to-face meeting or when we're replying to an email or maybe we're about to share something with the world on social media. Really, anytime words are involved, how does that affect our relationships with one another? I would argue that words create most of the problems that we face in relationships. Think about it. Think about your workplace. Think about home. Think about school, the online world. Many of us can think of problems that were the result of words. Conflicts between friends, between husband and wife, parent and child, many times can be due to something that was said. We have to really be careful with the people we love and with strangers with the words that flow out of our mouths. A few weeks back, there was a little misunderstanding, a conflict between a local business and myself, and it was due to a misunderstanding, mainly on my part. I didn't have all the right information. But there were some workers there, some teenagers. They, they weren't being you know, the most helpful in the moment. Um, I could have easily gotten really upset and just blown it, right? Um, I could have gone off, but thankfully, I had this sermon prep in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. And so I was able to stay calm, and when I get super frustrated, my go-to is to kind of tear up, like that's just how I handle it. And so I was tearing up, I wasn't, you know, saying anything too bad, Um, and everything ended up working out okay, but I could have easily blown it as my witness for Christ in that moment. I definitely would not have been following the commandment to love others. Right? So what are some verses that you can take, you know, tuck away in your hearts today that you can keep fresh on your brain? So when you are in a difficult situation or dealing with difficult people, we have the right words to say. Well, let me warn you that this is not going to be a, a how-to speech on becoming a better communicator. I feel when I was, you know, working on this message that the Holy Spirit wanted to use me to give all of us really a lesson on our hearts, not just our words, right? Our hearts, because ultimately that's where those words come from. So as we examine the scriptures today, be thinking about the root of where our ideas and our words stem from. I have called today's sermon, Watch Your Words. Watch Your Words. And we're going to be looking in James this morning, in James 3, verses 1 through 18, And you are welcome to use the Bibles. We have some on the edge of each row. You could use your phone, tablet, whatever you brought this morning. Verses are also going to be projected behind me. So while you are turning there, let me invite the Holy Spirit and let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, God. I do not take this lightly. And I just thank you so much for the words that you provided um, in the Bible, Lord, to give us hope, to give us freedom, Lord, and to teach us how we are to interact with one another, God. And I just pray that you would just cause anything that may be competing for our attention this morning, any distractions, just to tune those out. And would you just tune our hearts into what you want us to hear? We invite the Holy Spirit to come rest on each person who came here this morning. 
We invite your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at James 3, verses 1 through 18. I will be reading out of the New Living Translation. James 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. I like this passage. It's a longer one. I like it, though, because the words that are used to speak about the topic of words, they paint this picture that basically says, we have a lot at stake if we get this wrong. James, who was likely the half-brother of Jesus, he was a leader in the Jerusalem church. He wrote this book. He's the author. He offers warnings about the tongue. He starts off by stating how teachers in the church will be judged more strictly and will be held accountable for what they say in their teachings. And then he goes on to say that the tongue is something to use with caution. And that goes for every single one of us. And that's really what I want to focus in on today. What can we all learn from this? In fact, I see three things that James is warning us about the tongue. 
And we'll go through these kind of quickly, and they're all negative things, by the way. But don't worry, because later I will compare and contrast those with a positive message, something that we can take away um, some promising news this morning. So the very first warning that James points out is that the tongue is destructive. Okay, we need to get that straight. The tongue is destructive. James uses a couple of metaphors to describe this, that even though the tongue is this really small part on our body, it has a lot of power and it has a lot of control. He even goes on to say that it can cause great damage if we're not careful. The first metaphor is this idea of a horse and a bit. In verse 3, it says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And that's to say that this really small part of our body, our tongue, can change the direction of a relationship and lives by what rolls off of it. And as quickly as someone riding a horse can change the direction of a horse by pulling on the reins and therefore affecting the bit in the horse's mouth, we can change the direction of a conversation with a quick turn in what we say. That could be positive or it could be negative because oftentimes, if you're like me, we speak too quickly, we don't think through things necessarily, and the conversation takes a very sour turn. James also uses a second metaphor of a big ship, and he says this small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Again, this small thing, our tongue, which produces our words, can lead us into all kinds of directions. And then in verse 5, James gets to this destructive nature, the tongue being destructive. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. You see, it's hard to reverse the damage that a fire causes, just like it's hard to reverse the damage that our words cause. You know the saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie, right? You can oftentimes recover from broken bones, uh, physical injuries, but words, they have this way of ringing in our ears for a long time, sometimes forever, right? Like a long time. How many of us can think of an example where someone said something hurtful to you And those words still haunt you to this day. Or maybe you've said something hurtful to somebody else. Those words that you regretted coming off of your tongue. They've now created damage too destructive to be undone. I know I'm guilty of this. I've been in disagreements with friends, with family. I've had to apologize to my own kids many times, my own children, for saying things, right, in the heat of the moment. Words I didn't really mean. You know, I know when I use the words always and never, the words that are about to come after those words usually aren't true. You know, you're always doing this, or your brother never does this. Why are you doing this? You know, I have to be careful, especially with kids, because they're forming their identity at their tender ages. As a teacher in a public school, I have seen the damage that words can cause among classmates. Girls and boys have been in tears because of the careless and destructive words thrown around in the halls or online. Technology, right, created this whole other realm 
right, where words are just kind of thrown around without people thinking of how they'll land on somebody's heart. Social media has definitely added fuel to this fire, or at least provided a more visible outlet for people to speak carelessly, because you know what? They don't have to look in the face of whoever they're writing about. They can kind of hide behind a screen. James calls the tongue wicked. He says it can corrupt the whole body. He says the tongue's wickedness is from hell itself. And as Christians, we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. If you've given your soul over to Christ, he may have it, that's true, but until we're on the other side of eternity, we still must deal with the fact that we have this tongue that our enemy, our very real enemy, Satan, will try to use to divide and to kill and to destroy. Relationships of all kinds have been split apart because of the tongue. Relationships that have taken years and years to build can come falling down, can crumble when words are spoken in anger. May these verses, guys, be a wake-up call this morning. May we remember today to be careful with the direction that our words go and know that our tongue is incredibly destructive. So besides being destructive and causing irreparable damage, the tongue is also two-sided. It's hypocritical. That's really the second warning this morning. James is telling us that the tongue is hypocritical. If we skip down to verse 9, it reads, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And this one really got me. Oh, how I failed in this area. Knowing that I was created in the image of God, thanking him, praising him, and then in the very next moment, casually speaking bad about somebody or speaking to somebody about somebody else, the very people that have been made in the likeness and image of God. Just also being careless with my words, perhaps even on my way to church. You know, walking in the building, pretending life is great, everything's fine. You know, but really, maybe I just got into an argument with my husband or with my kids. Jesus does not like hypocrisy. He hates it. He hates when we pretend to be devoted followers and then do what we want or say what we want. In Matthew, actually, Matthew 15, he called out Pharisees and teachers of the law when he said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's what it boils down to, as I alluded to earlier. Our words flow from our hearts. The words that we speak, the words that we type, they are snapshots of what is simmering in our hearts. And as we know, Our thoughts become our words, and eventually our words will become our actions. I have a poster in my classroom. Uh, This isn't the actual one. This is one that's similar, but it reads, Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character for it becomes your destiny. And if you are a follower of Christ, your thoughts, 
and your words should be centered around him. Your destiny is not to become a hypocrite, but instead be a share of the gospel and an active participant in the Lord's will for your life. And it all starts with filling your heart and your mind with the word of God and being careful to know that you are representing Christ really with every single word that comes out of your mouth. So a tongue is destructive, it's hypocritical. James also lets us know that the tongue is wild. That's the third warning, that our tongue cannot be tamed. It cannot be tamed. Verse 7 reads, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, and it's full of deadly poison. Well, I guess that makes me feel a little better. But not really, right? Because I know better. The fact that Jesus himself has mastered, he's the only person that's mastered controlling the tongue, that just goes to show how important this issue really is, especially when it comes to relationships. We are all at risk, every single one of us in this room, of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. At any moment, we could blow it because the Bible says no human can control it. If that truth doesn't wake you up this morning, I'm not sure what will on this rainy day. So should we just give up since nobody can control it? Like, oh, well, let's just be reckless with our words and ask for forgiveness later. You know, the tongue's unstoppable. I would say to you, absolutely not. Let's not give up hope. Let's not give the enemy any more to work with. Amen? Amen. So let's spend the rest of the message searching for hope and wisdom um, so we can walk out of here better aimed at getting along with each other. All right? So we talked about the negative things, right? How the tongue is destructive and hypocritical. Uh, James also goes on to talk about wisdom in regards to speech. So let's just rewind and look at verse 13. He says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So there's hope, you guys, there's hope. James says that when we ask for wisdom and rely on Jesus to reign and rule in our hearts and ultimately our speech, words can actually bring truth and life. So just as there were three not-so-good things about our tongue, I believe James is also showing us three positives when it comes to our speech. And the first being that our words can bring life 
and truth. And that is so refreshing to hear, that our speech can be that encouraging word, that voice of truth, something said in a kind and loving way, or maybe that sweet silence that's needed when someone may be hurting or grieving and just they need a listening ear. So our middle, uh, we have three kids. Our second son, um, Ian, he has epilepsy, and he's on medication for that. And this medication, he absolutely hates taking. Like from day one, it's just been a battle. It's very bitter, and really there's nothing you can do to like make it better. We've tried different flavors, orange, apple, you name it. It just doesn't really seem to help. And last year, we thought he was healed, and we're still hopeful he will be, but he went about five months with no seizures, um, and then we noticed that they came back in the fall. Uh, So we went for another EEG, and I remember getting that call from the nurse saying that his EEG was abnormal, and the medicine must be started up again. And her words were just very matter-of-fact, just very cold, And I desperately, in that moment, I just needed compassion. I just wanted compassion. Um, And almost tone became more important than the words that were spoken. What was said was arguably less important than how they were said. And I think tone's a whole other message. But fast forward to the pharmacy uh, later that day. When I walk in, I was super pregnant because it was last fall. And I was super defeated by the phone call. The pharmacy staff was so kind. They were so patient. As Ian stood next to me with a list of you know, flavors to make his medicine taste better, um, trying to decide in his little mind which one he was gonna have to start, you know, start again. And the truth was, the pharmacy was busy. There was a long line of people behind us, as pharmacies often are, but the staff was just, they had compassion. They had patience. They saw me, and the words that they used were, were so great, and it may not have been a big deal to them, but it was so huge for us in that moment. And so how do we know, right, if we are producing the kinds of words that people need to hear, and words that are gentle, James says gentle at all times, that's a big order, to be gentle at all times, and full of mercy. Well, we can tell by the fruit of our lives, We can tell by the quality of relationships that we have with people. We can tell by our actions, just like we can tell if an apple tree is good at producing apples by evaluating the fruit, we can evaluate how well we are relying on wisdom by looking at the chaos in our lives or the order in our lives based on our words and our actions. You know, real wisdom can be characterized how we get along with other people. We're not hypocritical, we're not double-sided, people know what they're going to get when they see you, you know, when they relate to you, we're overflowing with mercy. James says our speech is always sincere, it's considerate, it's kind. Again, it's considerate. And, I, and we think of how words land on people, right, when we're speaking to them. We, we think before we type. We're careful. And that's really the second piece of good news this morning. You see, careful words produce peace. Careful words or words can bring peace. And isn't that what we all crave? Isn't that what we all want? 
Isn't that what this sermon series is about, getting along with other people? If you'd rather have conflict and drama in your life instead of peace, you may need to reread the scriptures. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You see, our God is a God of peace. He's a God of order. And he wants to grant that to you, to your relationships, really every aspect of your life. And with the wrong words said in haste, without being carefully considered, peace can quickly turn into turmoil. All we have to do is log into Instagram or Facebook, see the ugliness that comes when words are, are used to not you know, promote peace, when words are used instead to draw lines to divide us instead of unite us. I would argue that sometimes, even many times maybe, if peace is needed, then maybe our words may not be. I'll say that again. If we want peace in our lives, then maybe we just need to be quiet and listen. We don't always have to have the last word. We don't always have to prove to someone that we're right, or we at least think that we're right. We can actually keep our mouths closed. It's possible. You know, don't get me wrong. There's a time to speak up when we see injustices or when the truth needs to be called out. But more often than not, we tend to run our mouths to prove a point. Former First Lady Laura Bush. She's known for being quiet, uh, or her rather quiet strength. She never really pursued the microphone when she was on the national stage with her husband, or really in the years that followed his presidency. But last month, People noticed her words when she made a tweet about the zero-tolerance policy at the, at the border regarding immigration. I remember at the time watching some people on TV saying, Laura Bush, she's sure someone that doesn't say a whole lot. She doesn't say much. But when she does, people listen. And I thought that was a great goal to pursue. I don't want to be known as someone who has to have an opinion on everything, or who blabs my mouth just to talk. I want to be a listener and speak when I really have something of value to add. And then when I speak, people may actually listen and truly hear me out. You know, Scripture says one way to discipline our speech is through listening. As a former journalist, I appreciate the verse in Proverbs. This is Proverbs 18.13, by the way. And it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And James himself even said earlier in chapter one of his book that we should be, quote, quick to hear and slow to speak. If listening more helps bring peace, we should be all for it. Amen? So the final good thing about our words is that the Holy Spirit will help us. And really, guys, this is the best news of all, that the Holy Spirit is here. There's absolutely no way we can do this on our own power. We will never have the perfect words to say in the perfect tone at the perfect time. It's just an impossible task. But we do serve a perfect Father 
who sent us his Holy Spirit to help us live this out. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of self-control. And this is the gift that we need to really rely on in order to be wise and watch our words. So we need to start speaking like Jesus spoke. Okay? We need to bring hope. We need to bring healing. We need to bring encouragement in this broken world. How did he do it? Well, he relied on the Father, right? He had the word of God tucked away in his heart. You know, I'm not the best at memorizing scripture. I used to be, but I'm in this season of life where it's, everything is kind of a daze. Maybe it's teacher brain, mommy brain, lack of sleep. I don't know. But it's getting harder to remember um, some things. So what I do is I have uh, verses hanging up in our house on different signs. I also try to listen to music that is filled with scripture just to remind me daily of whose child I am and to remind me of what kinds of words I should be sharing with my community. The word of God is what we should be pouring into our hearts so that it can come spilling out in our relationships with others. This all boils down to what we fill our hearts and our minds with. Jesus said in one of his teachings in Luke 6.45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The struggle to control our tongue should be constantly on our minds and should call us to ask God for wisdom. We can ask him to show us how to honor him with our words and honor others and ultimately honor our lives, right? He's faithful in responding We need to keep after this, keep asking for wisdom, keep practicing self-control. This is a daily thing, an hourly thing, a minute thing, maybe a second thing, something that we have to keep in mind, especially if we are speaking hundreds or perhaps thousands of words in a day. So before I close and worship team, you can come up. I wanted to ask ourselves a few questions to check the condition of our hearts and our words. Are we really aware of the destructive and hypocritical nature of our tongues? Are we guilty of gossiping, arguing, criticizing, complaining, cursing, boasting, lying, I think all of us could raise our hands. I'm not asking you to do that this morning because the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says our tongue can't be tamed. So I know that all of us are guilty in this area. So instead, let's ask ourselves, what are the words that we say reveal about the condition of our hearts? Is our heart jealous? Is it bitter? Is it angry? What leads our conversations? What do we talk about? What do we post about? Is it pleasing to the Lord? Is it honoring him? Is it honoring others? But have we realized that even in our sin, with our sinful hearts, that the Lord has offered us hope? Through the Holy Spirit, we can have self-control, to use our tongue for good instead of evil. Our words can bring life, truth, and peace. James says in verse 18, we will reap a harvest of righteousness if we are careful in this area and seek peace instead of conflict.
So I have just a few quick tips. Where do we start this morning? We can start by asking for forgiveness. Ask the Lord to forgive you for the things that you've said and the things that you've done. And while you're at it, grant forgiveness to those who may have offended you. Just re-listen to the forgiveness sermon that Gino gave just a few weeks ago, if you need to. Then we need to ask the Father for wisdom, because we can't do this on our own strength. And then finally, practice self-control. And that may look like in future conversations, in the conversation that you have when church is over today, before you move your lips, ask yourself, is what I'm about to say true? Is it kind? Is it needed? Is it necessary? Does it honor God? Does it honor the person I'm speaking to or speaking about? Are my words exaggerated? Are they needless, though? Are they ungrateful? Are they mean? Do they not honor God or the people that I'm speaking to? And we should also simply consider talking less and listening more. Are we giving space in our conversation to really hear what the other person is saying, not waiting for our chance to just jump in, right? I feel if we honestly ask God to help us in this area of controlling our tongues, we will have more success in our relationships. We will have more functionality, and we will be able to enjoy one another better. And maybe, hopefully, we can all just get along. Okay, so let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much again just for the truth um, and the wisdom that, that you've shown us, Lord. And I just ask that you would reveal anything in our hearts this morning that is not from you. Maybe situations where we've said something that has been hurtful to somebody else, Lord. Um, any area that we need to ask for forgiveness. And God, I also pray for people here in this room that may be struggling with words spoken over them many years ago. God, I just pray that you would just bring your freedom this morning, that you would just break off those words that are still ringing in people's ears. So Lord, we're about to enter a time into worship, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come in power, and that people would really sense you near them, and sense you speaking, and hear what you have to say, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for these beautiful people. Bless them in Jesus' name.